When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia. 107.5 The Game on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. And welcome in is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the Game Tire West and Coast along with you on this Tuesday morning. Kind of putting a bow on week number three of the college football season. Can you believe we're already a quarter of the way through the regular season? Three games in. Only nine more to go in the regular season. It's flying by. We knew it would. We knew it would. Time always flies by the college football season. Hard to believe we're three through. When you're having fun, right? Yes. Well, there's been some fun. There's been some not so fun at times. Maybe not the most fun, but it's been it. One thing we always say going into the year: don't necessarily know how it's going to play out. It's going to be a roller coaster. It's definitely going to be fun, (laughs) and uh, it's going to be interesting. And it certainly has been that. You you mentioned roller coaster after the uh, week one game against North Carolina. Preston specifically texted me that. He said, welcome to the roller coaster that is South Carolina football. I mean, there there will be at least one more, or there will be at least one probably loss where everybody's like, what just happened? <laughs> and there will probably be at least a, a win or two where everybody's like, this is the best team in the universe. <laughs> so, I mean, that that is – it's not just South Carolina. That is college football in general, but – I think that's what happens, too, when you have a team that's kind of, you know, somewhat similar to most of the teams left that they're going to play. Obviously, you know, I, I still I still think a good bit of what we saw against North Carolina was somewhat like game one stuff. Like, I, I give North Carolina credit. I think they were just a little bit further along than South Carolina at the time. We know what happened on the offensive line. We talked about that uh, ad nauseum, but... <laughs> I think with with South Carolina moving forward, I mean, I'm going to keep repeating myself. Like, these next nine, they could all go either way. And, you know, you, you looked at that Georgia game, and we talked about it all week. There's a path for South Carolina to win. And the first half was a, along that path. But still, it was going to be tough to win. This is actually – so if we get into one conversation that I texted you about, Tyler, we're, we may be – have some issues with some Gamecock fans. Yeah. But let me let me make a sandwich here. This is where you, you give somebody some positive reinforcement first. Okay. Everybody seems to be somewhat, like, not subdued, but somewhat not okay. But, like, all right, one in, it doesn't feel like South Carolina is one and two sure. based on the way the fans I interact with have responded. It hasn't for the most part, and may, maybe in some cases I've just insulated myself from it, but it hasn't been just this crazy, you know, 
burn everything down response, in my opinion. Now, they, as far as fan reaction, South Carolina needs to play well and win on Saturday. And I, I think if they're sitting there at 2-2 two and two after Saturday, then um, you kind of look at it and say, hey, everything's ahead of you here. No, nobody really picks South Carolina to win the East. So you say 2-2 two and two through 4, everything's ahead of you. There's a lot to be excited about. If they lose Saturday, then people are going to be ticked off is the nice way to say it. But for the most part, I think the fan response has been somewhat um, level. The The difference in the season so far has been that USC has lost a toss-up game, basically. I don't think any Gamecock fan was saying, man, if you don't beat Georgia, like, there's something wrong. You know, I, I just, that's not really realistic, right? And sure. you can be upset about that game. That makes sense because especially you showed you were there. Like, it's a missed opportunity. We, we've discussed all that. You beat Furman. So – we, what did we say coming into this season? You're going to have a lot of games that are close to toss-ups. You know, some you're going to be favored in, like Mississippi State. Some you probably won't be favored in, like just throwing one out, like at Texas A&M. My guess is South Carolina is probably not going to be favored in that game. It's too early to know. But that's a guess. And and there's others. All of them are going to be close. I don't see any other game on the schedule where South Carolina is going to be a 27-and-a-half-point underdog. They're certainly not going to be a 27-and-a-half-point favorite over anybody except maybe Jacksonville State. That's about it, right? So the difference so far has been they've they've lost one toss-up game. The What comes of the rest of this season is going to be what they do with the rest of these games. Like you said, Wes, you've got a bunch of teams that are pretty close. This isn't a year where you go, man, I think Clemson is just light years better than South Carolina. There's been that in very recently. Not Clemson will, you know, they might be favored. They might be a better team. It won't be a might huge. Might be favored. Yeah, they might be favored. <laughs> Based on right? what we've seen so far, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They might be. Definitely and, might and, be a toss-up. Right. I, it's closer to toss-up territory is my point. Like, go up and down the schedule, there are tons of toss-up games. And so the difference is going to be what can South Carolina do, you know, with the rest of those. They've lost one, and, and they are where they are. Other than that, I don't know if we can make a grand, bold statement about what this team is just yet. I mean, you look at some of the games we would have circled as being the toughest, and obviously, you know, right now, Georgia is that game. Well, A&M came in with a, all this sort of, I would almost say, unearned hype, and now the, the seed is, is hotter than ever over there. So A&M on the road, like A&M would be favored right now, but would it be by more than what South Carolina's favored over Mississippi State right now as a, now a six-point last I saw yeah. um, line favorite. Would they be favored by more or much more than that? I don't. They, they wouldn't be an overwhelming yeah, favorite. Yeah, it wouldn't be overwhelming. I think we've learned these past couple seasons with A&M, you never know which team you're getting on a week-in, week-out basis because they can go out there and play Alabama to the limit and then get you know blown out by LSU or something like that. So you never really know. And like I said, I doubt that South Carolina would be favored going into Kyle Field, but I don't think it's going to be an overwhelming thing like he had this past weekend. Yeah, ten- Tennessee doesn't look like the, you know, they, it, they were, I thought Tennessee was a true, before South well, Carolina did what they did to them last year, they were a true college football playoff contender like yeah. I, I even it, with what South Carolina did I don't think they were a pretender last year like that was a good to really good Tennessee team for sure they have some issues uh, you know 
at quarterback. They don't. They haven't had that run threat that they had last year with Hooker. They've had issues um, getting open at wide receiver. I think they missed Jalen Hyatt. Mm. You know that that game. I came into this year. You know, sorry, sorry, guys. I came in this year saying, look, Tennessee kind of dominated South Carolina in Knoxville year one. South Carolina returned the favor in year two. I came in saying that that feels like a tough game for South Carolina to win in Knoxville. Sure. Now I'm sitting there saying, dude, that that's that's very winnable for South Carolina. Like that, that to me is a toss-up. Tennessee probably has a home field advantage built into the line. They're yeah. probably slightly favored, but true toss-up territory there for me as well. Well, it's funny because I think the opinion going into the season was, yeah, that Tennessee game is probably going to be tougher, and you felt pretty good about playing Florida at home. That's mm-hmm. kind of flipped a little bit because we saw what Florida was able to do, especially running the ball Saturday against Tennessee, and with South Carolina's difficulty in stopping the run, it's like, wow, this Florida game looks like a tougher matchup. Now, going on the road to Neyland is still going to be hard by, mm-hmm. by uh, all means, but you feel like maybe you have a better shot at beating Tennessee as opposed to Florida now. Which, you know, we always talk about it. You kind of gain information as the season goes along. Teams aren't what you thought they were on paper. And it, it'll shift again as, as the season goes along. Some of these teams will get hot. We'll figure some things out. Some of these teams will have some key injuries and, and go the other way. So, you know, it, it's it's a lot of season left to be played. And, you know, I, I think for South Carolina, though, going into this week, like this, this is a game you should win. Like at home, at night, it's not going to be easy by any means. That's a different. Those are two different sentences. It's not. It's not easy to win games in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not a guarantee South Carolina will win. But on paper, this is obviously one they need. And you know, I, I think you have to give them the edge at least with what we know about Mississippi State so far. We'll continue to dive into them and their team as the week goes on. And for a defense that's looking for a reprieve, and, and, and like you said, Wes, there's no there's no relief. There's no, like, break. Just, ah, get to go play Mississippi State. Like, it's not, it's not an easy proposition despite them not being, you know, so far a dominant team. But in year one, Mississippi State having some struggles offensively, and they hired a guy in Kevin Barbet that came in with a really good reputation – but uh, this actually came from Josh Pate. He, t- he tweeted this out on Sunday. So Mississippi State's last game against LSU, they went 11 straight plays with zero or negative yards. So they've, they've had some struggles offensively. They've had some struggles defensively. Uh, Mississippi State lost a good bit in the portal. You're breaking in an entirely new offense going from Mike Leach's you know, air raid system to what they're running now. Uh, which has had success at, at App State, but it is a new offense, and so that creates some questions, some differences. You have a, a different, you know, head coach and coaching staff. So this is not an easy opponent, but this is kind of what you need if you're South Carolina. You wouldn't want to go play North Carolina, Furman, Georgia, and then let's say, all right, time to hit the road, go to Texas A and M, or t- time to you know go to, go down to Tennessee or whatever it may be. This is a game that comes, I think, at a very good time for them. Yeah, the only thing tricky about this game that I saw coming into the season was the fact that it does lie between 
trips to Athens and trips to uh, Tennessee next weekend. So maybe you feel like you were catching Mississippi State at the right time. And again, you did lose to Georgia on Saturday, but you got to feel pretty good coming away from some of the positives of, you know, again, you were four touchdown underdogs. You ended up only losing by 10 and you had a halftime lead. So while not perfect, you certainly can take some things away from it to hopefully transform or roll into a win on Saturday night against Mississippi State. I think that's a game, too. You don't really... It, the the way South Carolina played in the second half, like if, if South Carolina had just won the game, hung around, then I think all of a sudden you're saying trap game, Mississippi State. The, the way they played in the second half, um, kind of some of the self-inflicted wounds, some of the issues uh, you know, with penalties. I think if you're Shane Beamer, you 100% have your guys' attention as far as paying attention to details. I think you actually come in pretty confident. On the other side, you didn't get blown out. Um, I, I think it actually sets up pretty well for South Carolina this week in terms of just you know going into practice, knowing you have work to be done, but knowing you've seen a, a little bit of light on the other side. And for for South Carolina, we'll talk about this obviously as as the week goes on. I'm I'm curious to see which true freshman do we see continue to sort of see their playing time increase. And I think this is – we talked about youth movement going into Furman. Every school kind of pairs their rotation down a little bit on the road against the top team. I think we start to see the rotation expand out a little bit more moving forward. You mentioned true freshmen, and coming up we'll talk about a true <laughs> freshman that a lot of people are asking questions about as we are three weeks into the season. That's coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyler West and Chris along with you today. Of course, Shane Beamer's weekly press conference coming up at 1.30 during the halftime show with Terry. We'll have that for you live right here on the game. Sponsored by Pete Alewine Pools and Spas. Uh, one thing Beamer has talked a lot about this uh, season so far, and we'll probably talk about more today, is freshmen. We've seen several freshmen that have gotten on the field and made significant contributions. Obviously, you have Jalen Kilgore, talked a lot about Tree Bavlade, who got the start this past weekend against Georgia, Trevon Ball working himself into that lineup with the uh, offensive line as well. One name, though, that a lot of people are asking questions about is Nick Harbour, and rightfully so. Nick Harbour, obviously a five-star guy, made the commitment to South Carolina on signing day. It was a big deal. A lot of conversation about him coming to the season. We've all seen his video of him running track, somebody that a lot of people were excited about. However, through three games, he just has the one reception for a touchdown against Furman, and people are wondering why he's not factoring more into this offense so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we could have recorded this conversation uh, seven months ago. Because, uh, you know, it was obvious unless Harbor just somehow jumped onto the scene and, and had a huge start to his career that this conversation was going to take place. And, Chris, I, I was going back and looking because uh, there's been this take out there, this the conversation, you know, will, will Beamer be asked about this today? And I'm sure he probably will. And what's going on with Nick Harbor? Why isn't he playing more? And first of all, he's not redshirting. I've seen that that asked. He's played in all three games. So the plan is not for him to redshirt. And so I went back and looked. Our conversation with Shane Beamer, I wrote this on February 27, 2023. And um, Beamer has already responded to your questions 
before you even asked them. <laughs> Why isn't he playing more? Which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, Beamer said, five-star or not, you're going from high school football as a young man to the SEC. To think that he's going to be able to come in and just take over and just dominate games from day one, from day one I don't know if that's realistic. I'm sure that's his mindset, and I want it to be, and it should be, but I think we've got to make sure we're not putting too much on this young man too early as well. He is a freshman in college. There's a lot of expectations on him, rightfully so. There's a lot of expectations on all of our incoming freshmen, and rightfully so, and they want that, but let's also understand they're young men that are just like your everyday freshman in college. Now, the part he did not say out loud is that, for one Yes, is a five-star athlete. But the other side of that, he played mainly defensive end, edge, linebacker a lot of his career. He did play offense, but he was playing tight end. He, We've said this a hundred times before, was not playing the wide receiver position before coming into South Carolina. That's the spot he wanted to play in college. That's the spot that they believe most set him up to get the mismatches that his skill set would fit with. But at this point in time, he is still learning everything that goes along with playing that position. He's played in all three games. Yes, he has run go routes before. Um, For whatever reason, either he hasn't been open, he hasn't been seen, the ball has not gone his way on some of those. But I, I, I can't tell you his route tree from the Georgia game. I watched that one on TV. I was at the first two games in person. Um, I physically saw him run a go route in both of those games. I don't with, believe you. With my <laughs> own eyes. So I, I think the Harbor conversation, I get it. Believe me, trust me, I get it. You want to see this guy succeed. You know, people are already worried, oh, he's going to hit the transfer portal because he hasn't played as much as I thought he should in three games. Well, yeah, we, it's three games. You've been, you were already warned about this. Yeah. If, if this was, um, and we literally used these exact people talking about it before the season. This is a not not even every five star is made the same, right? And so, what what kind of comparison or a contrast is a better term? Did we make before the season after he signed? We said this is not a Jadavion Clowney or Marcus Lattimore situation where a guy is going to come in and immediately dominate. Marcus Lattimore is a freshman, went for thirty seven and one eighty two against Georgia. Davian Clowney came in, made an immediate impact. You get guys like that sometimes. That was not going to be the case here. It was never going to be the case. And that's not the fault of Nick Carver. It's not the fault of the coaching staff. Like, we knew that there was going to be a progression here and a trajectory. But because he was a five-star, because he's 6'5 and looks like an incredible athlete, is an incredible athlete in terms of his athleticism, Despite those warnings, and, and Shane Beamer himself used the terminology, temper expectations. He's, he said this multiple times. You know, there I, I understand, I think, the temptation to still go there because you're seeing an offense that has not lit it up yet. Um, and you, you know that this guy is out there. But but I think we what we've seen is in in hoping and wishing for more of an impact – there's honestly been some stuff just straight up made up. He hasn't run a go route. He hasn't even been on the field. Um, there, he's he's not developing. He's unhappy. And and you start seeing these things that are just really, really a stretch when in reality there's just a progression. Now, could he have had some more balls thrown his way? Would that be ideal? 
sure, sure. But I haven't. I don't think we're all sitting here shocked through three games that he doesn't have, you know, ten touchdowns. Right. right. I mean, it's just th- there was no expectation that that would happen. I asked this question to Colin earlier. If Juice Wells is 100% healthy and has not been banged up through these first three games, so obviously we've seen Xavier Leggett play really well in spite of that. If, if we have these vi- two viable threats in Juice Wells and Xavier Leggett on both sides of the offense there, are we talking about Nick Harbour as much? Are people asking these same questions? Or is it this want that, hey, Juice Wells isn't playing right now. Let's see if Nick Harbour can ju- jump up and be that guy. And he's obviously not been up to that point. I, I personally think we'd still be having the conversation <laughs> because Nick Harbour is the most high-profile recruit that South Carolina has landed under Shane Beamer. But also, again, th- th- all this, like, you could see the future with this. And, you know, Charles Power, who handles the recruiting rankings on all three, we talk about him fairly often. Charles is an absolute stud at his job. You can go back February 16th. He was on our podcast. And Charles was also talking about all the things that made him a five-star, which we all know about. He's a five-star prospect for a reason. He's a five-star human being as well. Power said, again, quote, I think with South Carolina, it's important to note He is a very high upside prospect. When you think of a conventional five-star, his upside is probably higher than many, but he's going to need time to develop. He's a developmental type. I would not expect like a Jadavian Clowney type of deal where this guy comes in as a freshman and is just immediately ready to go. Now, he could be, and I think this is where if you want to make a little case, I get it. He could be in a specific role, but I think it's important to kind of temper those expectations. But he's one where there's just so much natural ability. So everybody has been warned. Now, I think, like we've talked about with all the other freshmen, Chris, you're going to see them continue to try to bring these guys along, continue to create roles for them. I I don't think at Georgia, with limited possessions, a game that very much played out like a traditional old-school SEC game, not high scoring, not back and forth. You're not running a bunch of plays on offense. Probably just not the time. I continue to think as the year goes on, as you get more and more possessions, as the the kids get themselves get more and more comfortable, you're going to see all these freshmen we've talked about continue to see their roles grow. I, I would even dare say you're going to see Nick Harbour on a go route, get a ball thrown his way at some point in the next few weeks. And people will probably say, ah, I knew I knew they should have done that. <laughs> but I just think we gotta relax on this one. Let and it's out of fairness to him as well, honestly. Let Harbor come along at his own pace and uh and then go from there. Absolutely. And we'll certainly have plenty more to talk about with Harbor as the uh season goes along. We'll see what his his development ends up being. We turn our attention now to Mississippi State uh, for this upcoming weekend. We'll continue to dive into them as the week goes along. This is a very interesting team as far as the series with South Carolina goes. We'll talk about some key moments between the Bulldogs and the Gamecocks coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on the game, Tyler West and Chris along with you on this Tuesday. Of course, Gamecocks and Mississippi State coming up on Saturday night, 7.30. Game can be seen on the SEC Network. 
And, of course, we have all the coverage for you right here on the game, starting with Gamecocks Game Day. Myself and Terry Ford broadcasting live out at Sound and Images on Bluff Road from 2.30 until 4.30. The network coverage takes over at 4.30, leading right up until kickoff at 7.30, again, between the Gamecocks and the Bulldogs. Been a couple of years since these two teams have played each other, and this was a series that for a very long time, these two teams saw each other pretty regularly on a year-in, year-out basis going back to the 90s and early 2000s. Not as much in these past couple years, but when you look at the past uh, 15-ish years, this uh, series is favorable for the Gamecocks. Yeah, South Carolina 9-7 and seven overall. They lost the last time they played, but had won seven straight before that. So, um, w- weird that they haven't played since 2016. Mm-hmm. W- was this on the schedule in 2020? and got bumped off when they flipped it around because of COVID? It, it had to be. God, forgotten about that. It had to be, right? You're right, yeah. Uh, I think if that was the case, they would have played each other last year because I think anything that got moved around from 2020 would have been made up in the past two seasons, if I rem- remember correctly. But why, why has it been seven years since they've played? I don't know. That's... That's crazy. Why is Georgia and Texas A&M only played once since they joined the conference? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. But um, memorable moments in this series. Uh, let's see. Just off the top of my head, you had the fade. 2020. Or 2000, I should say. Wow. Eric 20 Kimmery's years before lot, that. Eric Kimry's a lot older than that. Was. Yes. EK, getting pretty old, buddy. Um, had by, the fade. Hey, by the way. Not to interrupt. Uh, Mississippi State was not on the original 2020 schedule. Wow. Just found it. Interesting. We'll have, to, we'll have to research that. Sorry, continue. 2000, the fade. Yeah. 2001, first game played after, first Division One game played after 9-11. Huge um, pregame, you know, incredible moment. Massive uh, American flag out there. Um, 2002. Two game, not very memorable. Don't remember anything happening in that. 2006 would have been, uh, I think that was Jasper Brinkley's debut. Um, he hit the Mississippi State quarterback early on and he got injured. Ryan Suckup, uh, fake punt that wasn't really a fake punt, I think was in that game where he just took it and ran with it before it got blocked. Um, let's see, somewhere in there you had. Dak Prescott playing at williams Price Stadium, a game that I remember going into thinking South Carolina may struggle, and they end up really just hammering Mississippi State in that game. That would have been 2013. And uh, let's see. And an unfortunate memory would have been the Marcus Lattimore injury at Starkville, a game that South Carolina ended up winning 14-12. to um, but that was just completely dampened by by that moment. So a, a lot has happened in this series for two teams that really, you know, they've only played 16 times, um, but, but lots of memorable moments. Uh, Bill brought this up this morning. I believe he was talking to J.C. Sherbert. I think this is the first time Mississippi State has played a night game in Williams-Brice Stadium in the, what, uh, 16 times they've played? Yeah, I mean, the Dak Prescott game, <clears throat> that was a day game for sure. 
the, the fade was a day that game. Was a day game. The Michael Hennig game you just mentioned that well, that was that was on the road, right? That yeah, was that was at road. Mississippi State. Um, I have a stat for that game, by the way, that will blow your mind. I don't remember the 2002 game at all. Like, I have no idea what happened in that game. Like, it is completely blank. You went through every single other one. That was pretty impressive. <laughs> you, you had to play from every game. Uh, that game kicked Did, off at 1 o'clock. Didn't, uh, didn't Alshon have that big catch in the Marcus Lattimore injury game? Is that the correct one? It had to be. Yes. He had the big catch in that game. That was a that was a good moment. Although, yeah, you're right, man. I mean, that, that whole game, you're just like, I mean, yeah, South Carolina won, but Marcus Lattimore. It was a little, kind of a little, like, uh, a play they had some linemen pulling and they had Bruce Ellington is a handoff to Bruce Ellington kind of a sweet play and somebody tried to arm tackle Bruce Ellington in the open field which was the first mistake and then they missed and ran into Lattimore's knee that was that was tough that 2006 game you referenced Wes so Mike Hennig at quarterback do you know his stat line from that game I will give it to you 0 for 1 he was two for eight for 19 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Quarterback rating of 3.3. Well, in his defense, he was injured pretty uh, pretty early, right? But th- there's no, unless, I mean, surely they're just missing some quarterback stats here because the only thing that they have on this stat line, yeah, they're missing a quarterback here. They've got eight for 23 in total, and apparently it was just a ghost that did it. But, yeah, he did get injured in that one early. But Mike Kennig, he was a so – I forgot I'm, look, I'm looking at this on Mississippi State's website. Trey Rutland went 6 of 15 for 63 yards. Definitely don't remember him. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, Trey didn't fare much better once he came in the game. That was, a, that was an ugly game, but South Carolina was completely dominant defensively, I remember. Wasn't there a double pass to Corey Boyd? Yeah, there was a double pass in that game. Or a halfback pass or something. Yeah. That was his famous, um, I'm back. <laughs> Can't but, say the rest. Yeah, I won't say the rest. But, <laughs> it rhymes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting series. I, Man, I, I really, um, it, it stinks that this is not a Mike Leach-led yeah. Mississippi State team coming into Williams Price. Um, you know, for for obvious reasons. Like that that would have been pretty awesome. One of one of my favorite coaches ever to just follow. A guy that did it his own way, obviously. And um, you know, obviously had a very unique scheme and, and way of doing things on offense as well. And we'll certainly dive more into the specifics of Mississippi State and what they do uh as the week goes along, we get closer to this game. But the sense I'm getting from Mississippi State fans, the jury's still very much out on Arnett as a head coach. And look, he didn't ask to be the head coach, kind of got thrust in the role with Leach's untimely passing. And it doesn't seem like they're too thrilled with what he's done through three games necessarily. Well, and I, I think, you know, when, when you're a first time head coach, and, and we, you know, we got to watch up close as, as Shane Beamer, who was probably as prepared as anybody you've ever seen to step into that role. Um, there are there are going to be growing pains when it's your first time doing it, and you know Arnett is going through that right now. It is a bit of a trial by fire, and um, I just I 
part of me, man, the decision to go away from the air raid and go to a run-based offense when I'm sure your offensive linemen were all recruited for that air raid scheme, and now you're trying to be more power. And um, Now, they, they mm. have a really good running back, and they've run the mm. ball okay, but I just – I don't know. That, that's a tough decision. I, I've got the game on right now. There's two minutes to go in the first quarter in my rewatch, and Mississippi State has five yards of offense. So um, it was not a pretty – you know, the, the fans came out, great atmosphere early on. LSU, mm-hmm. a team that obviously lost in week one to Florida State, comes out and just dominates the game from the start. So I, I get it. I get the frustration for Mississippi State fans. They lost some guys to the portal as well, and – so, yeah, not not a great start for them, and they, they got to come to Williams-Price at night, which we've seen does play a factor. Another sellout for South Carolina, as was announced yesterday as well. How many Cowboys think they're going to bring in here? They're illegal. They're they banned <laughs> at the – well, it's been so long since they've played, I don't even know the rules on that, but um, I don't think you can bring them in. They're okay. banned everywhere except Starkville. Okay. No, that was wild, so I went to the 2016 game um, – that was that was an ugly game for South Carolina. I think Mississippi State hit a trick play to Fred Ross for a touchdown. Um, Brandon quarter- McIlwain start? I think McIlwain started. Who was the quarterback that started? His name is on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald mm-hmm. from Mississippi State. Dan Mullen. Game was suspended by weather. Kicked everybody out of the stadium. Um, it was an ugly game. But, yeah, I mean, that was, that was something, definitely. The... You had you had you could ring them up until I think the ball is snapped. Kind of like playing music over the PA, or, or until they line. It, yeah, it, it was one of those two things. But okay. yeah, the artificial noisemaker ban applies everywhere except Starkville, Mississippi. Gotcha. So it's kind of the Gamecock fans that were in that section. They didn't really like it too much. They gotcha. didn't like the score <laughs> even more. <laughs> and again, we'll dive more into that matchup as the week goes along. Uh, coming up though, a future Gamecock. Gets a well-deserved accolade. We'll talk about that coming up next. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you. Always looking ahead to the future of Gamecocks football. And yesterday, no surprise here, Josiah Thompson, the 2024 offensive tackle commit for the Gamecocks, officially moving up to the five-star ranking, four on three. I think we kind of uh, thought this might be coming. Um, you know, if, if he had remained where he was at, the way on three does is they eventually have 32 five-stars to sort of match up with the NFL draft and 32 teams. And so eventually, you know, they kind of add five-stars as the process goes on. He was already number 18 on on three, but Chris, in this sense, didn't just add the fifth star, you know, almost by default by by hanging to where he was, moved up a a fairly good bit, number nine in the rankings now. Let's get in our second mention of Charles Power today. <laughs> Charles has always been really high on Josiah. Sort of went out on a limb and and was higher than everybody else off the top, and um, you know we we thought he would have a chance to be a five star guy and and. You know, has just always been a super athletic kid, but you look at the kind of before and after of him physically now from when the recruiting process started, you know, a few years ago for him, just to, has really worked hard to add some weight, has physically matured. Um, 
kind of has learned to turn it on on the field as far as having like that ability to finish blocks and just kind of kind of be mean on on the field because he's a super um you know just nice kid off the field and so Josiah someone that I think is an early impact guy for South Carolina and just a another example of how well they've recruited on the offensive line for 2023 and 2024. Well, and we knew that it was going to be key for Shane Beamer. Any coach at South Carolina, you know, you're not going to be able to sign 20 guys in the state of South Carolina every cycle. But when you have big-time guys, elite-level prospects in your state, you need to sign them. And they have they have done that this class. They've got the three top offensive linemen in the state. They've got Mazio Bennett committed. That's what you've got to do. And um, when Beamer first got to South Carolina – there were a lot of guys leaving the state, and I, I don't fault him or the staff for that, really. You're working on a timeline where you had guys already committed to other schools. You're working during COVID, right? It's tough to get in there and build those new relationships, but things have been building towards this class, and Josiah, Cam Pringle, Mazio, you know, Blake Franks, these are guys they were able to have long runways with and, and get them on campus, so Josiah, great prospect. On three's individual rankings, as you said, Wes, number nine in the country, number two offensive tackle in the country, and that should be music to Gamecock fans' ears, you know, based on what we've seen. And you, you pair that with Tree Babalade, Trovon Ball, Marky Anderson, Shivers in the last class, and you've put together now a couple back-to-back really good classes. Here's another thing to keep in mind, too. On three's number one offensive tackle nationally, is Jordan Seaton, who plays his high school ball at IMG Academy in Florida, originally from the DMV area where Shane Beamer's had a lot of success. Obviously, a lot of schools going after Jordan Seaton. Colorado's involved. They've been getting involved with about every big-time prospect. He's got the entire SEC, Florida State, et cetera, et cetera, after him. But the Gamecocks could still draw an official visit from Jordan Seaton as well. Yeah, the the visits have kind of bounced around yeah, there. all over the place. You know, uh, it it was, quote, locked in for an official visit at, at one point. Even at the time, we were kind of warned, like, hey, this thing could shift. But a guy to keep an eye on, a reason South Carolina has really focused in on, on Seton, just a, a huge prospect and a big boy recruiting battle there. We'll see if South Carolina can get him in. Speaking of Colorado, did y'all see number five most watched game in ESPN history and it I started – at After Chris's 10, bedtime? At 10 o'clock, didn't end until about 2.30 in the morning. Hey, I was up for the first quarter. <laughs> what about the second quarter? Uh, Negative. No, <laughs> I was out. I was out cold for that. Yeah, I, it was very fun, very entertaining game. Uh, The Colorado hype through the roof right now through three games. think they'll come back down to earth a little bit in these next couple weeks. But as of right now, people like what they're seeing. Dude, if they if they beat Oregon this oh, week, man. They beat Oregon. off the charts. Yes. That's I mean, going to be tough, though. They beat Oregon. Shiloh, or, uh, Shador Sanders is at least getting an invite to New York, right? Yes, he may get one already anyway. I mean, he's he's been fantastic. Yeah, he's been. The, he is really good, yeah. Uh, shout out to Sean Lewis as well. Kind of gets lost in the yes, shuffle. A very good offensive really good coordinator that may end up being the head coach well, of Michigan State next year. Dion, Dion put together a good staff. Like oh, people yeah. kind of like no, he De- put look, together a good staff. Dion's not dumb. He knows football. He knows what pieces he needed to be successful. Now, they're not going to go 12 and 0 this year more likely than not, but he's he's putting the pieces in place to be successful in the long run. I remember Shador visiting South Carolina with a camera crew way <laughs> way back in the day. I think I think Dion Sanders Jr. 
was uh, part of his camera crew. He yeah. handles all the social media for Colorado. Yeah. But Shador, yeah. as like a sophomore in high school, I think, visited South Carolina, was out there at camp. I, I'm trying to think if he threw or not. It all kind of runs together. Right. It seems like he did. Um, and obviously it seems like yeah. a decade ago that Shiloh Sanders was at South Carolina. I was going to ask quickly, when Shiloh was in the process of being recruited, did you guys ever cr- come across Dion at all? <sighs> saw no. him. Just saw him. Saw him. Okay. Just yeah. saw him. I got gotcha. you. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Again, Coach Beamer coming up at 1.30 with his weekly press conference brought to you by Pete Alewine, Pools and Spas, halftime show with Terry coming up next here on The Game. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.